Welcome to the Launchbox Podcast. I'm Anjali, and I can't wait for you to get to know plant-based kitchens from around the globe. Every episode will unpack inspiring stories and delicious menus of spots that are guaranteed to be your next food experience. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. It's been an eventful, I want to say start of the year, but we're we're past the halfway point now. The summer's been great. Summer's been super busy. Who would have guessed that doing all these different things would be so time consuming and exhausting, but it's been really fun. Tell us about yourself. Where should I begin? What do you want to hear? Maybe we can start with why Sweden? Okay, so I, I'm originally from Australia. I was born and grew up there. And then I moved to Barcelona, where I lived for seven years. And then when I was there, I met Sofia, who is my ex. But we were together, and then she's from Sweden. She wanted, she's from the north of Sweden. And she wanted to go back to school and try something new and start a new, a new chapter. I was keen to join. So we'd never been to Malmö before, so we, we got on a plane and just the two of us and our dog Stretch and moved here. And it was pretty surreal getting off an aeroplane into a city you've never even stepped foot in. Like, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> so it was very, very cool to be able to learn and discover this entire new city and sort of start from from zero. So it felt like we were all both on a... A level playing field. I mean, she mm-hmm. had the language, but otherwise, that was sort of it. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. And one of the first things we did when we moved here was uh, was get one of these Udlingslot, like an allotment in Rusengord. And so 100 square meters, and it just blew our mind how much we could grow on such a small space. And, you know, we had these beautiful, like, berry plants and rhubarb and all these, like, sort of perennials, and then we just grew lots of salad. I remember the joy of, like growing our first like heads of salad and stuff just being like wow i just wanted to be there all the time wow. yeah, so when we were in barcelona we used to have a rooftop terrace and then we we started growing a lot of food and then when we could actually grow like in soil not like on a rooftop where we had to sort of bring up the soil it was such a different feeling and you moved from barcelona to sweden when was it I feel like my dates aren't exactly super accurate, but I think it was 2012. So it's been 10 years. It's 10 years, yeah. Tell us more about Flax and how did you start? How did it happen? So from having these allotment and growing your own produce to now having a cafe, can you bring us back into time? where to begin I was working as a chef and then I was a little bit fed up with how much food was being imported from Spain that wasn't even like organic and I was just sort of like hey look I can grow this stuff here so I I didn't I wasn't quite understanding like but what's the point in us you know importing essentially poison from the other side of Europe into Sweden when we can grow this stuff here, like I'm growing it. So that's sort of where where a lot of stuff sort of happened. So that that's where the we started, you know, farming and, and started doing all that. And then after a while, my whole dream was to 
my dream was to to make a chili sauce, but that was my goal. So I wanted to make a chili sauce where that I could grow all almost all of the ingredients and then make our own chili sauce. So that was something that I I really had a passion for. And then with flax, like the cafe, that was never the plan. Right. Uh, that that just uh, that just happened uh, by accident. The intention with that space was it was going to be uh, like a prep kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, we had I had the farm and we we were doing the farming and then I started making products. So we were making chili sauces and stuff. And then like you know, I sort of I I hit that goal. But we were using my friend's place where she was closed Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So we could go in there and we could uh, we could use her space and I could make the products then. But then it was I felt a little bit like we were starting to grow out of it in the way that I needed a space where we could like be like where we could set up and we didn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. set up a whole kitchen, do a whole thing and then like disappear and take everything away. Like it would have been nice to just have everything up and ready to go you know it, it worked and it was fantastic but it was uh it wasn't a hundred percent right so we were looking for a prep kitchen mm-hmm. and then we started to work out like okay but when you have a prep kitchen you're paying the same fees as if you were a restaurant and then you know is there's not that much price difference if you're looking for a place out in you know the industrial area or if you're looking for like a place in town mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, but maybe we could do it. We could, you know, open the doors one day a week or once a month or something, like whatever we feel like if we wanted to do an event. And then, you know, and then you buy an espresso machine and then <laughs> you buy a fridge and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, this is, a full this is what we're doing. It's one of the better mistakes I've made in my life. <laughs> a beautiful accident. I've read that Flax was also meant to be or is meant to be local and you are in the heart of Malmo. As you mentioned, a lot of the produce come from Spain or even from Brazil, you know, other places other than no, not local. Yeah. But I mean, it's, uh, it is possible. You just, it's, I guess the thing is that it's, uh, I've never written a business plan in my life, which is the first thing that you should do when you start a business. Mm-hmm. I've never gone down that path. I've only ever done it because I believe in it, which is a terrible way to do business if you're after money. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I sort of feel like, you know, someone needs to be that idiot who doesn't actually think about the consequences and just jumps <laughs> and, and hopes for the best. So, I mean, obviously, if we're a cafe, then we have coffee, and coffee comes from the entire world, and that we're very aware of. But we use a local roastery, so they work really tightly together with all of their growers who are growing with them. They visit them all. They have really close contact with them. They are easily the best roastery in in Scandinavia, or in Europe, in my opinion. So they're called Kopi, and they're based in Helsingborg. So, you know, what is it, half an hour from here? Not even, 20 minutes yeah. from Malmo. And, I mean, it was once upon a time, I they used to have a, a, a cafe bar in Salahallen here in Malmo. And I was uh, working with my friends, Rowan, at a place called Graham when she opened there. And then it was uh, the first time I had one of their, like, coffees. I was like, oh, my God, if I ever open a cafe, I have to have this coffee. <laughs> Yeah. I remember saying that to them and then like, here we are. And we're like one of the only places in Malmö that have their coffee. So it's it's amazing to be able to like 
have that connection and, and know everything about where it's from and what they stand yeah. for and the fact that they care so much about the flavor profile and they can explain it all and therefore I can explain it to the consumer that I have on my end as well. Mm-hmm. So you can actually trace where the beans are from and in for that reason, you know, you get connected to the food, to the drink, right? Exactly. Everything has a story. And that's also like literally everything has a story. So they're like, this is this is the most exotic product we sort of have. But otherwise, it's like, you know, I think we're working on about 30 kilometers radius at the moment. So I, we have two breweries in Borstad that we work with, which is kind of on the border of, of Skåne. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a kombucha brewery called Östergård and a uh, beer brewery called Avilda. But both of these breweries we, we've done collaborations with. So I feel like we kind of are bringing them closer to Malmö anyway. So. And this is very important for you because going back to growing your own produce, having your farm and making your best effort to stay local... How are you designing your menu? Yeah, so we, we kind of work out what's what I can harvest that week, and then that's what the menu is based off. So it changes? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it can change from day to day. Everything is very, okay, this is what we can harvest now, and this is what we can work with. We're, we're changing with just whatever's available. And if, like, say we have, I don't know, zucchini on the menu this week and then i'm out of zucchini then it just changes to something else that's that i have because we we do everything so small as well so everything is you know to the amounts of what we have so but it's beautiful i mean i have my my child's asleep now uh, while, while we're recording this uh but before we we were at the farm so i don't live at the farm it's based here in the city and we rent from the we rent the land from the local council so I was together with helping to design the whole area wow. um, with them. And then, so we were out at the, the farm earlier and we, you know, harvested some salad, harvested some zucchinis and then had a barbecue. So I just like light up the barbecue, put some like, you know, veggies straight on the grill. Wow. And just to be able to like eat that and <sighs> to be able to give that to your child is the greatest thing in life. And the fact that, you know, she's the one saying, can we go to the farm? Can we have a barbecue yeah. at the farm? It's like, yeah, we can. It's a legacy because not so many kids right now see where their food comes from. And you're with your daughter. She loves the farm and goes to the farm and can see what you are growing. It's uh, I think you're doing a huge favor for you know for her when she grows up and becomes really connected to uh, the roots i hope so there's not that many things that we like know in life that is like 100 percent. but right. like to be able to know where your food comes from and be able to to know how to grow it and to be able to like for her to be able to when i can say like okay but can you can you go and uh, pick some, whatever I said to her before, can you pick some gooseberries? And she just went straight up and knew exactly where they were, straight over to that section, pick some gooseberries, and then come back. And I was like, this is, this is the dream. Like, it's so amazing. Tell us about your passion for chili 
and how is it right now in connection to the farm and the cafe and yeah where you are in general i mean i love chili that's sort of been my like one of the reasons i started the farm was because mm-hmm. i wanted to own chili sauce and i mean i could have made my own chili sauce without starting a farm but where's the fun in that right <laughs> and i tasted your chilies when i went to your cafe mm-hmm. and that was just absolutely one of the best chilies i've ever had and i wish i could have them here in copenhagen on our tables so that our guests can also try and taste them are you producing them for retail or or is it only for your cafes good question i mean the the plan is that there's something that i've i've uh, i've really been like passionate about is having that direct connection with everyone. Mm-hmm. So again, not exactly a fantastic business model, but having like been able to grow from seed something and then grow it up and then like care for it and then finally when it's ready you can harvest it and then I can take that and then I can process it into say a chili sauce and then from there then i can cook whatever meal they're having and then i can give them their meal and then give them a chili sauce that has literally not touched anyone else's hands mm-hmm. pre germination is so insanely satisfying and and amazing so at the moment it's only i'm only selling it like through my own channels so either through the cafe or at the farm or we also were together starting recording here in Malmö. Mhm. So we started this uh online farmers market and so I I sell there as well when I have time to be selling there. But the plan is now that it's all been under the name of Los Pedos, but the plan is to we're working together with one of my friends who's redesigning everything and and we're going to have it as a uh it's going to go under a new name. Kind of should have happened a while ago, but we've all been busy, so it's <laughs> taking time. But yeah, so it's going to go under a new name called uh, Pepper Pepper Deli. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be as much pressure on, like, when it's under the Lost Petals name as the farm, then then right. it would be things that just I grow, or if I use someone else local, like who's producing something, then I I feel like I'm cheating them, sort of thing. Like I'm just putting it under my name. Lifting them, so we're gonna have like a, a different name, and that way we can really promote other local producers, and that can also mean I can be more diverse with things I grow as well. You mentioned about uh, recording a an online farm, and you do it there in Malmo, but you also have different ones you've started before. Yeah, so I mean, recording. Finland's let's say I'm here's a guess but like 10 years ago no longer than that but yeah and uh it's basically an online farmers market the platform we use is Facebook purely because everyone's on Facebook it was just a way to make it easier for everyone if i'm honest i would have loved to use a different platform also realized that then people would have to download an app and do this and then it would be you know an extra step for everyone mm-hmm. to make local food easiest and you know to to bring that sort of 
exposure, it was just simplest to use Facebook. So it's called Record Ring, and then you start your own ring, like your own uh, organ, like farmers market, basically. Mm-hmm. So we had a ring in uh, in Malmo. So we were the first one in our county here in Skåne. Uh, so Malmo was the first one. There hadn't been anyone else in Skåne doing it, and it was uh, it was crazy. Like it was super successful and got super big, super quick. So, I mean, if I go in now, we're 26,500 members wow. in just Malmö. And then there's uh, over 50 different record rings now in Skåne. And we've been running for four years now. So the farmers come in with their produce and those, let's say, 26,000 members... It's not going to be 26,000 who are buying each week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's going to be 26,000 people who yeah. are directly interested in this, exactly what you're doing. So you, like, instead of, say, opening your own food shop, you now all of a sudden have a platform where every single person who is involved in that platform is interested in what you're doing, which is 100% interest, which is insane. Mm. So it's it's gigantic. Uh, as I said, it, it exists. It started in uh, Finland. It's in Sweden. It's in Norway. I did a podcast with uh, Diego Fuda in uh, the US, and then after talking about recurring, and we did a whole episode on recurring. And after that one, uh, there's been loads of recurring starting in the US now. Wow, which is huge. So it's it's actually starting to really take over, which is so cool. But it's just a way for the farmer to sell directly to the consumer. So there's no middle hands. Mm-hmm. There's no bullshit. It's also, you know, when we used to do farmer's markets here, you're up at 4 a.m., you're harvesting everything. You finally make it down. You get down to the place. You set up your table. It starts raining. No one shows up. You're stuck with a fuck ton of food. Like, okay, what am I supposed to do with all of this? But instead now... With recording, everything is pre-ordered and pre-paid for. Here in Sweden, we have a, a system called Swish. The phone number, you can just send money directly. So we put out our ads on Facebook. People write and say, hey, I want this, this, and this. Okay, I want, you know, four kilos of fennel. I want a half kilo of salad, and I want two jars of kimchi and three chili sauces. And then they pay for it in advance. So that way I know exactly how much of everything that I need to harvest, how much of everything I need to pack. And then I take it down there. They've already paid. So, and in the rare occurrence, they don't. Then we just donate mm-hmm. the food. Right. And this is not only in terms of sustainability because your carbon foot- footprint is, is much lower. It's basically within, what, 30 kilometers? I mean, when I'm selling at Recording, I'm going from Helia to Malmö Central, so four kilometers that I'm doing by bike. Yeah, and, and you're also cutting food waste because... So there's zero food waste, zero emissions. We don't use any, any machines on the farm. Everything we do is by bike. Such an inspiring story. I wish I had more time to discuss some other things, 
But can you tell us if someone is interested, for example, to have an urban farm, where do they start? I mean, I I still don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. But I think that the the best thing to do is just go for it. And like I said, I've never had a business plan or, or anything like that. So I, I think if you care and if you want to do it, then it's possible to do. You just have to work out how to do it. So the land that we rent off, I mean, if you, you go around any city and you see abandoned lots or you see areas next to graveyards that are empty or you see there's space everywhere. Once you start looking, you can see space everywhere. And it might be, you know, it, it can be on a rooftop. It can, you can go and knock on the factory next door that has a giant rooftop that's empty. Mm-hmm. If that's what you feel like you can do. Like there's literally spaces everywhere. As soon as we rethink and understand that you can grow food wherever you want, then that's that's the that's the goal, right? That's the bit where you sort of you almost start going crazy because you start seeing too many places. So if someone was to start like, okay, if they found a spot, and it's not always going to work because you know city councils aren't always that open. Um, I mean, we've had this is we've been doing this for ten years, and we're the first ones in Sweden to be doing this on a commercial level. It took such a long time to try and explain what we were doing, why we were doing it. And still today, the people that I have to speak to at the city council, they don't understand what we're doing. They think we're idiots. They're like, okay, you, you like crazy hippies. You're just you know, growing your own food. Oh, we're gullet. Like, it's so cute what you're doing. It's like, it's not cute. This is the future, dudes. Like, wake up. I don't really know how to answer your question more than just uh, go for it. If you want to grow food in the city, if if your neighbor, if you have a, like if there's someone out here listening who has lives in a house or, you know, has a neighbor down the road who lives in a house and has a front yard that's just empty or full of weeds or that, that you can see that they, that it's too difficult for them, then you can ask them, hey, can I grow food in your front yard? And if I can use the, the soil in your front yard, then I can pay you in whatever, like I can give you a veggies when you need them and then the rest of it I can take and sell mm-hmm. like anything is an option if you if you just rethink I think the key really here is the rethinking because often we think it's complicated and it ends up people not really doing or trying because they're just too many things to consider but it's also like uh, unfortunately you're not going to get into urban farming so that you can become rich yeah no it's a lifestyle that we do because i want my child to know how food grows and that food comes from the ground not from the store i want me and her to be able to eat the best possible food i want to be able to experiment i want to push boundaries i want to like but if i just wanted to be rich then i don't know i'd do some coding or something on <laughs> the internet like i yeah that's i I'm, I'm rich in different ways if i say without sounding too much like a hippie you being there for 10 years and doing what you're doing right now 
you have actually influenced the uh, food or the restaurant landscape as well because you're not only the one using your produce, right? But you're also offering it to other restaurants. Is that still what you're doing? The original plan was to be able to use it ourselves, but then that didn't, that wasn't realistic in the beginning because we have a place. And then we started knocking on some restaurant doors and explaining what we were doing. And then luckily we found some restaurants that were a bit more forward thinking and really just understood directly what we were doing. And we're like, yep, we're in. So there's a place called Liram, which is uh, here in Malma, which is, yeah, one of the best restaurants around, if I can say. And as soon as I was in there and spoke, spoke to Jürgen and sort of like, hey, I'm growing food in the city. He's like, yep, okay, whatever you got, I, I want. I don't like, I, I, I take it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we've had like, you know, other places like there's a place called Pinkhead uh, here. It's my friend Wade owns and we, we've become friends since. But, you know, it got to a stage. He's like, okay, you grow anything Asian, I buy it all. And he has like a... A noodle bar we're kind of on the same page or we kind of feel like we're doing the same thing like you know these restaurants are pushing boundaries as it is and then we're sort of pushing it as well with the growing and then you know this is for them so whether it's you know but it's everything like we have yeah so a noodle bar we have the super fine dining scandinavian i have a vietnamese restaurant i have uh, loads of vegan places. I have like all the places that we deliver to, whether they're you know pizza places or pasta places or a salad bar or anything in between. Like, it's not like it's just the high end hipster places. Like, it's the scene's changing. People are realizing that if I pay a little bit extra, my food can come from here, and I know it's worth it. It's better, and I'm supporting local. It's so beautiful. Everyone that you're mentioning right now is so diverse from a noodle bar to a salad place. People that are forward thinking, but also it, be- it becomes like a way, of be- a way of being and a way of doing where you are. Yeah, big time. It's so great that there's like so many people are on the same page and have this vision like people want people want to see a change and the more that we make it normal the easier it's going to be and the the more normal it's going to become what has been your biggest challenge and accomplishment so far challenges the weeds challenges are that we we had to move we weren't allowed to stay where we started so after 5 years we were kicked off that land which was absolutely heartbreaking we had to start again, basically. It's not like, uh, you know, moving office and be able to just pack up your computer and, and start again. You can't really move 3,000 square meters of soil mm-hmm. that you've been building. So that's been the biggest challenge. The climate. I don't know if you've heard about this whole climate change thing. Climate change is here and really sort of we're feeling it. Where you know, the winters are getting colder, the summers are getting hotter. And the change in between, like there's no spring anymore. There's no autumn anymore. It goes from minus 10 to 
plus 30 in the space of a week. Like, you know, fucks everything that needs to be grown in the springtime. So it makes it very difficult to work. Work. <sighs> Nature is the most unreliable thing right now, and that's really difficult to work with. But it keeps it interesting. You know, in January, we had this crazy storm here, and it completely destroyed our greenhouse. Uh, like, it completely got wiped out. So we lost the whole greenhouse, which we just built. But everything got wiped out, and then we did, like, a crowdfunding thing. I mean, I was ready to give up. And then sort of like my friend was like, you have to do this crowdfunding. So he pushed me to do that, Emilio, and I did. And then the whole community got behind us and we backed it crazy. So we ended up like getting some money together so we could buy a new greenhouse. So we're still building it uh, because, you know, it's it wasn't exactly in the plans to uh, have to build it because you still have to like plant everything and take care of like i still have to do the farming side at the same time so it's really difficult to balance both but we're uh we're well past the halfway mark with building the new greenhouse which is great but it was very uh it was very beautiful to see the whole community get behind us and and you know we we saw that i've never felt more loved that we really felt that uh, everyone everyone was there and everyone wanted us to continue so it's nice to be able to do that it's so touching to just see the community rally behind you and help you keep moving. But in terms of running the urban farm and flax and also making your chili brand, what has been your, let's say, what are you most proud of? I'm kind of most proud of the fact that, that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm most I'm most proud of that when we did the crowdfunder that so many people got behind us and really like it really showed that the community believes in what we're doing. So it wasn't like, you know, we've won some really big awards, uh, which has been insane as well. But to be able to directly see people like the local community and watch them get behind us has been, it was so beautiful. Like I've never been so emotionally wrecked from the fact that the you know the tunnel got completely destroyed and at the same time there's so many people were like donating money and believing what we're doing and, and wanted us to continue it's just like okay this is too many emotions <laughs> so i think that's that's the the most beautiful thing but, but like proud is that uh flex is like the cafe it's up and up and running uh i had a dream that we were going to be open we were only open three days a week up mm-hmm. until last yeah in january we decided to open four days a week and wow. then in april we decided to be open five days a week uh okay. so it's really cool that i have an amazing uh team now who want to work there and and can work there and want to develop it into its own thing and now all of a sudden it's feeling like it's turning into its own place and and you know getting its its own legs and and running away uh for me <laughs> but I in a that. really beautiful way and it has won as the best cafe in 2021 
Yeah, that was uh, okay. That was pretty crazy. That was cool. Um, so yeah, we won the best the best cafe in Malmo last wow. year. Um, but it was also extra fun because it was like I think two of the main sponsors were the milk industry and the uh, like a big company a distributor that's very focused on meat. Mm-hmm. And we're one of the few vegan places in Malmo. So when we got nominated, we were like, okay, we're just the like we're not going to win. We're just, you know, the, the the token green place sort of thing. <laughs> and then, like, they started reading it out. We're like, wait, what the fuck? This sounds a lot like us. So, yeah, so that was insane. It's so ironic because the sponsor being a giant in the dairy industry and you winning the whole... Yeah, but that's... Uh, yeah, it's, it still hasn't really sunk in that we won that. Congratulations. Cool, thank you. It makes me feel, I feel like at the same time proud of you. I am sort of connected now to the story and now I'm rooting for you from afar. Yeah, we need everyone to be rooting for us. So I appreciate it. But that was cool. And then also I think one of the other proud moments was uh, with the farm in 2020. Mm-hmm. We won uh, two really big awards here. We won the environmental prize uh, for the region of Skåne, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, Skåne is the agricultural sort of area of all of Sweden. And this is for everything. T- like, and somehow we won the environmental prize, which is gigantic. Uh, so that was super cool. And then. Shortly after that, we won Malmö Näringslivs Gala. So like the business awards that we won, the uh, uh, Environmental and Sustainability Award. <laughs> this is cool. Like people. But that was, yeah, that was, that was pretty surreal as well. When you're looking at it now, it's a labor of love. For 10 it's a labor years. of love. And you're reaping all these fruits and I guess it's so emotion, like touching emotionally. It's super beautiful, but like I said, it's uh, it's still like a whole lot of work, and I'm not retiring any day soon. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's uh, it's been a whole lot of costs, and everything I do is very. I'm I'm still trying to make it go around, and I I think that there's a reason why you know you do this for ten years. It's because it's uh you believe in it i i'm i I, it's never been a money-making scheme to do this sort of thing and soon i'm gonna retire in my gold castle in the sky that's not next year anyway i admire your grit tenacity and just your dedication to what you're doing because i know how it could be how hard it is to run a business even though you're saying you know you're not here to to be rich but there's money involved it's a business right unfortunately it is a business and at the end of the day you know i i have to pay rent and Mm -hmm. i have to i want to be able to buy clothes for my child Mm -hmm. it's not like i want to be rich i just want it to be not a struggle yeah and for the first time in the last 10 years i feel like maybe it's it's less of a struggle so it's uh 
it, it it's hard to say sometimes that it's been like oh it's such a success and you hear you know you hear podcasts and that's about how many millions they're turning over and how successful everything is and i mean what we're doing we're a re- there's a reason that we're the first ones to do this and we're there's a reason why no one else is doing this it's mm-hmm. because it's not quite the smartest thing in life to do mm-hmm. if you know it was money you're after mm-hmm. but some way you've got to draw the line and realize that it's also got to do you know like i said being rich and rich it's also got to do with the fact that what you stand for in life i could work for ikea and earn way more money i could pack shelves and do whatever but that's not what i stand for that's not what i believe in that's not what i want as a future for myself or for my child and that's not i don't feel like it's right and now at least i can feel like okay but every Everything that I'm doing right now, I'm feeling like I'm doing it for a reason. For those um, people of the same journey as you, what would be your advice? That's a good question. Without sounding too cliche, just don't give up. If you believe in it, whatever it is, like if if you believe in something, then there's usually a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And we're not that stupid us humans believe it or not so there's usually a crew of people behind you who also believe in what you're doing so if you believe that growing city uh city grown food is the future and you can do it and you can you know stop transportation stop middle hands stop using poison stop wasting lands if these are things that you believe in then then go for it and i think that You know, my mantra in life has always been, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. And in so many different ways, the worst thing that can happen is exactly where you're at today. So it, this can apply to anything. If you want to go for a trip or if you want to start a new enterprise, if you want to, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, the worst thing, wor- what's the worst case scenario is, let's say, I don't do this podcast. Okay, but then... then I'm exactly where I was before I did this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't start this business. Okay, then I'm exactly where I am today. If we all sort of have that way of thinking and that sort of weird mantra of like, of what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is usually that you can just go back to exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. That's not that bad of a worst case scenario. Yeah, it's not a cliche. A lot of people give up and probably it would, would have taken only a few months to see some results. And I also... agree with you when it comes to just take one step what's the worst thing that can happen thank you for your words of wisdom and for the encouragement for the inspiration where can people find you i exist on the social medias so i guess los perros urban farming on uh, instagram or facebook and then flax malma on instagram facebook and then pepper pepper deli on the same And those are the the simplest. And then from there, you know, you can send me a message or follow us, do what you do on the social medias. And for those who are in Malmo or going to Malmo from Copenhagen or wherever part of the world, I would then you have to, yes, go yeah, and then you have to come to, to Flex. Come say hi. Come say you listen to this. Yes, it's such a beautiful place to be at. Very cozy. One of the best toasts that I've had. It's another topic, but maybe we can do another session about your pickling, right? Because that's 
part of what you do. I'm down for that. Yeah. But hey, go and visit Flex. Is is visiting uh, Los Perros Urban Farm available as well for the public? Question mark at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Purely sure. because I'm trying to balance mm-hmm. all three businesses just by myself. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit hard. I can never guarantee any time. So I don't have the farm open to the public. But I do have a volunteer page on Facebook. And then it's usually Mondays and Tuesdays I do volunteer days. So if people want to come out, then they can, you know, get their hands dirty and, and see what it's all about. But also, like, do some work and eat some food, uh, be able to pick some, pick some fresh veggies and, you know, we all sort of win. But then it's uh, to join the volunteer group called Volunteers of Los Pedos on Facebook. Super. Thank you so much, Buddha, and I wish you all the luck, all the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Feel free to share it with others and spread the word. I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Launchbox Podcast. Podcast.